To open our Bibles this morning, the book of Matthew chapter number one, Matthew chapter number one, we appreciate the Lord, an opportunity to be here. We've been preaching these weeks for the whole month on uh, I know a man from Bethlehem, and I'm glad that I do know a man from Bethlehem. And uh, so we'll conclude that thought this morning. We've saw a few men. Uh, from Bethlehem over these last few weeks, and we've really been building toward today, this service this morning. Uh, Of course, we've seen Benjamin, if you remember, three weeks ago or so, four weeks ago, I preached on Benjamin and how that he, being a man from Bethlehem, carried our sorrows. And I'm glad that that speaks of Christ, amen, how that he carried our sorrows. Then Boaz... We talked about Boaz, a man from Bethlehem, and how that Boaz considered the strangers. And I'm glad, thank God, that me being an alien from the commonwealth of Israel was grafted in by the blood of Christ. Then last week we considered David. David was a man from Bethlehem. He was a man that cared for the sheep. And I'm glad, thank God, according to Uh, John chapter number 10, I have a good shepherd, a great shepherd and a chief shepherd. I'm glad that he cares for the sheep. I want us to read this morning out of Matthew chapter number one. And I want us to begin our reading in verse number 18. Matthew chapter number one and verse number 18. This morning we're going to deal no longer in types and foreshadows, but we're going to see the substance This man, Jesus. Verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. She shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins." All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Jesus. There's something about that name. Let's pray. Father, we ask, Lord, that you'd help us to share your word. Lord, I know it's your will that everybody in this building would come to a saving grace and knowledge of you. I pray, God, that you'd help us today to present the gospel in a way that please you. 
I pray that you'd get me out of the way. Lord, that you'd help me to preach as a dying man to dying men. Do that now as only you can. We'll thank you for all that's accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want us to think about Jesus, the man from Bethlehem. We saw how that Benjamin carried our sorrows. He was a picture of Christ in carrying our sorrows. Boaz was a picture of Christ in that he considered strangers. David was a picture of Christ in that he cared for the sheep. And I'm glad that Jesus was the man who came after sinners. I'm glad that Jesus was the one that came to seek and to save that which was lost. And I'm glad that one day that lost sinner was me. I was thinking as we were singing the songs this morning in the choir, and I'm glad I know I'm saved. I remember the day I was there when it happened. I remember when God reached down and by faith I accepted his gift and I was saved that day and to this day it's still the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. I'm glad for the day that I heard that Jesus cared about sinners. Matter of fact, one of the major problems that the religious world had with Christ was that he he loved sinners too much. This man they charged is a friend of sinners. They didn't say that bragging on him. They said that to to defame him, to tear him down. This man is a friend of sinners. But I'm glad that's true this morning. I'm glad that he is indeed a friend of sinners. Now I want us to look mainly at verse number 21 today where the Bible said, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. I want to draw three simple things out. I'm not going to hold you long. I know a lot of you have got Christmas to go to this afternoon, and then I hope you'll get it over with and be back tonight by 8 and bring your family with you. As I'm telling you, we're looking for a good time tonight in the candlelight service. But uh, I won't hold you real long, but I do want to draw three little thoughts out of this verse this morning and try to be a help and a, a blessing to us. First of all, I want us to notice in this verse the great need for Christ. The Bible said, and she shall bring forth a son. Can I say that from Genesis 3, when man fell into sin and the curse of sin fell upon man, man has needed a Savior. And uh, there was a process that was started there in uh, Genesis 3, uh, when God told the serpent that he would raise up a seed of the woman, uh, there was a process that was started. And of course, you know how that God sent the law and the law became a schoolmaster. Uh, and uh, this process was started uh, and it was brought to fruition uh, when God sent his son uh, yonder in Bethlehem. 
As a matter of fact, Paul tells us about it in Galatians chapter number four. In verse number one, Paul says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors unto the time appointed of his father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. You see, this world needed a savior, but God in his, in his infinite wisdom, he started a process in which he sent the law and the law was intended to do three things. One, it showed man that he is unable to save himself. God laid out 10 basic laws and man couldn't keep them. As a matter of fact, there's over 300 laws found in the Old Testament and man was totally, my friend, 100% unable to keep those laws. And so God was showing mankind as a schoolmaster and a tutor that there was nothing that they could do to save themselves. And then he also showed mankind that nationality wasn't going to get it done. The Jewish people, by the time that Christ came, even though they were inhabiting Jerusalem, were almost entirely taken over by Roman authority. Their great national plan, their sacrifices in their temple, their religious organizations had become corrupt. There was three major religious organizations at the time of the birth of Christ. That was the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Herodians, and all three were corrupt. And so God, in the God in the fullness of time, once once the law had proven to man that they couldn't save themselves, and that nationality wouldn't get it done, and that religion wouldn't work. In the fullness of time, thank God, on the outskirts of Bethlehem's town, my friend, the shepherds heard the good news that was born unto them this day in the city of David, a Savior which was Christ the Lord. The fullness of time had come. God brought forth his son, redemption's plan, my friend, to save sinners. I say hallelujah. I'm glad, thank God, there was a great need for Christ. Without him, we're all hell-bound sinners. Without him, there is no hope or help. Without him, there's no Merry Christmas. Without him, there's no Happy New Year. Without him, my friend, we're in a mess. I'm glad when the fullness of time was come, God looking down through the portals of time. I mentioned it this morning on the radio broadcast. In eternity past, there was a, according to the scripture, there was a determinate council. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost got together before man was ever made. God knew man would fall. And I see that God the Son said, I will go and I'll pay the redemption price. And so as God looked down through the portals of time, and this is stuff that's above my pay grade, I don't understand it all. But what I do know is that there was a time when God looked 
And he said, the time is now full and sent forth his son into the world. And I know this, from the time of the resurrection, my friend, the world has been groaning and moaning for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of these days, just like he came the first time, the fullness of time is going to come. And he's going to look at his son and say, go get your bride. Hey, hey, I'm here to tell you there was a need a need, a great need for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what this world needs? It needs a Savior. That's what this world needs. It don't need another politician. It, hey, it don't need any more government help. It don't need no more societal plans. It don't need any more education. What this world needs is a Savior. And that's what God did. He didn't send a political reformer. <laughs> hey, Reagan got me a t-shirt for Christmas that said, trust God, not government. Amen. I seen another one that said, praise God, not politicians. I say, hallelujah. He didn't send a government reformer. He, hey, the, hey, God didn't send an educator. God didn't send a social transformer. What God sent was a savior. And that's what mankind needs because the problem of mankind is S-I-N and Jesus is the only solution Amen. for it. He's the only way out of it. He's the only hope or help Amen. in that area of sin. This world needs a Savior. Amen. I've heard it said of our current political climate. They say, well, we need somebody to come through here and save us. We need a Savior. We need a Savior. But I'm telling you, God already sent a Savior. And he ain't a Republican and he ain't a Democrat. He was a lamb, amen. Amen. That's what the world needs. A Savior, a Savior. So there's the great need. There's this great need for the Lord's birth. But then not only was there a great need for Christ, there is in this verse the glorious name of Christ. Look what the Bible said. Go back to uh, uh, Matthew chapter number one, verse number 21. Look what the Bible said. And thou shalt call his name, what? <laughs> Say it again. Y'all can do better than that. It's his birthday. Say it again. Jesus. Oh, yes. Jesus. Oh, there's something about that name. It's a name unlike any other name. Now, names are important. Names identify people. It speaks of the person of who they are. If you don't think names matter, sometime or another when you're in Washington, D.C., go down there on the mall and stand next to the Vietnam Memorial. They call it the wall. On that wall is nothing but names. Names of brave men and women who gave their lives in service of this country. And the wall kind of lays like this. It starts narrow on one end and becomes larger. 
And you'll see mothers and grandmothers and daughters and sons and nieces and nephews as they take a piece of tracing paper and rub over that name on the wall. They found that name of their loved one as tears flow down their face. There's something about a name that identifies us. We're connected to a name. And boy, there's been some great names throughout history. You think about George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, how you think about some of these, let you think about Napoleon, how you think about Winston Churchill, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. There have been great names throughout history, but can I report to you this morning, there's never been a name like the name of Jesus. Oh, it's the greatest name. I begin to think about how that in the Bible, Brother Billy, that names a lot of times speak of what the people are all about. Y'all with me, shake your little head up and down. Hey, there is Moses. His name means to draw out. And boy, Moses, his whole life, what was he doing? He was drawing out, drawing out. You think about, you think about Jacob. His name meant surplanter. You think about Peter. His name means rock. And so you have the names of God. Now hang with me. There's different names given in the scripture for God. There's Elohim, and that speaks of God as our creator, the omnipotent one. There's El Shaddai, that speaks of God as the almighty God. There's Adonai, that speaks to as God as the Lord. But then there's Jehovah, or as in the Hebrew, Yahweh. <laughs> you know what that name means? means I am. When Moses said, who sent me? God just said, Yahweh. Now I want you to think, I've been thinking about I got blessed out of this yesterday afternoon. I shared it with a preacher friend of mine. He didn't get much of a kick out of it. But man, I got a kick out of it right here. Yahweh. I was looking at that name of God. That's the name. That's what Moses heard coming from the burning bush. Yahweh. I was sitting there thinking about it in my study yesterday and I took in a deep breath, took my glasses off and took in a deep breath and I went, I thought, my goodness. Every time you take a big deep breath, what does it sound like when you let it out? Yahweh. (laughs) Son, God got to blessing me over that. And I thought, even an old, dirty, filthy, rotten sinner, every time he goes, <sighs> he's speaking the name of God. You know why? Because God put that breath inside of our body. And every breath that comes out, hey, how don't you think about that? Yahweh, it sounds like a breath leaving the body. Every breath that leaves mankind speaks of Jehovah God. It speaks of the one that is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Next time you take a big breath and you go, you think about, wow, Yahweh, Yahweh, he is the king. But they said, I want you to call your son's name Jesus. 
not Elohim, even though he is the creator. Not El Shaddai, even though he is the almighty God. Not Adonai, even though he is the Lord. And not Yahweh or Jehovah, even though he is the I Am. Instead, the angel said, call him Jesus. Of course, you know the name Jesus means Savior. (laughs) I'm glad he is my almighty. I'm glad he is the creator. I'm glad he is the I am. But one Sunday morning, he became my Savior. This name speaks of his mission. He came to save. That's why he's here. That's why he's in this building today. He came to save. Now this world hates this name. I didn't realize it until I got to studying this this message. Y'all, how many of y'all remember the old show Home Improvement with Tim Allen? Remember the home? Tim the tool man Taylor? Did you know why Tim Allen quit the show Home Improvement? It was because on the Christmas episode in the script he had put the name of Christ. He would put the name Jesus. They came to him and said you can't say that name on network TV. And he said, then I can't be on this program. I say, thank God for Tim Allen. Amen. Makes me want to go back and watch the reruns of Tool Time. Did you know there was a lady that appeared on CBS's The View? And she was talking about a, a weight loss program that she had invented. And at one point in what she was saying, she said, all I know to do is say, thank you, Jesus. And you know what they did? They bleeped it like she'd said a bad word. Thank you. Because they didn't want anybody to say that name. I read this week about a lieutenant commander in the Navy SEALs who had been a chaplain for 20 years. He'd prepared a Christmas speech for the SEALs was to get up and give it. And he got a letter from the commander of the Navy saying that he should not mention in a Christmas speech the name of Christ. People hate that name. It's nothing new. It's nothing new. In Acts chapter number 4 and verse number 18, they haul those disciples in there before the court and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor to teach In the name of Jesus. Can I say to you this morning, the world does not care if you have Buddha. They champion you praying to Muhammad, Allah, Mary. But the instant you start praying in Jesus' name, that's when the problem starts. Several years ago, before we have our current county commission, when Dell England was the chairman of the commission board, 
the commissioners got in some trouble about prayer. They appointed Jonathan England to line a preacher up every meeting to pray. Jonathan called me and he said, would you go pray before the county commissioners meeting this coming Monday? I said, I'd be glad to. So I went over there to pray. I had no idea what was going on. No idea. They kept it under wraps. I got up to pray. And on my way over there and I was thinking about what I'd pray about. I got up, prayed for the commissioners and make good decisions and all that. But at the end, I said, uh, I ask this in that name above all names, that glorious name, that highly exalted name, that name at which every knee shall someday bow and every tongue confess that name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I didn't realize they were in a, involved in a little bit of a hubbub about praying in Jesus' name. I looked at the county attorney and he's a squirming. I said, I done made Donnie nervous. I don't know exactly what I've done, but hallelujah anyhow. This world hates that name. But God hath highly exalted it. There's, I want you to think, there's never been a name like Jesus' name. You can say, hey, have you seen Tanya? I might say, which Tanya are you talking about? I know a few Tanyas. Somebody say, well, have you seen Neil? Well, if you say Neil, everybody knows who you're talking about. That's a bad example. Well, have you, have you seen Bill, Billy? I know several Bills or Billies. But when the name of Jesus is mentioned, everybody knows who you're talking about. I'll just simply say that there's no name like that name. Philippians 2 and 9 says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. And so there is the great need for Christ. And then there's the glorious name of Christ. But then I want to finish with this. Go back to Matthew chapter number 1 verse 21. Let's look at the good news of Christ. Look what the Bible said here at the end. For he shall save his people from their sins. Any of y'all got in on that deal yet? Son, that's a good, that's, that's a good deal. That's a good deal. He shall save his people from their sins. It's the good news of the gospel. I told Justice, I want her to learn to play that song, Jesus Saves, and start singing it as congregational. It's about my favorite song in the songbook. I love it. We have heard the glorious sound. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. <laughs> Spread the gladness all around. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. I'm glad he does, aren't you? I'm glad he does. The good news of the gospel is that not a single person in this building has to die and go to hell. Now the devil, he convinces you it's better to sit in your seat. Don't move. It would be embarrassing. 
But what he don't want you to realize or understand is that if you ask anybody in here this morning that's saved, they would all tell you it's the greatest thing that ever happened to you. The guilt leaves. Uh, the glory comes in. Uh, Jesus moves in. Uh, boy, there ain't nothing like being saved. The good news tells us that man's relationship to God has been reconciled. Justice has been satisfied. Sin has been atoned for. Judgment has been revoked. Condemnation has been canceled. The curse of the law has been blotted out. The gates of hell have been closed. The portals of heaven opened. The power of sin subdued. The guilty conscience healed. The broken heart comforted. Sorrow and misery from the fall are undone. That's what salvation means. I'm going to close with this thought. There was a man by the name of Charles Bradlaw. He was an avowed infidel. He hated God. Hated the church. And he challenged a preacher by the Reverend, by the name of Reverend H.P. Hughes to a debate. He called him out. Now H.P. Hughes ran a rescue mission in London. He called him out. He said, your God is fake. Your Bible's a joke. If you've got guts enough, I'll debate you in the public square this coming Tuesday night. Well, Reverend Hughes responded and said, I'll be glad to come on one condition. I'm going to bring a hundred of my men and women who have come through my rescue mission and been saved. I'm going to bring a hundred of them and they're going to testify. Some of them come from broken homes. Some of them were on skid row. They're going to testify of the difference that Jesus made in their lives. But he said in order to be fair about it, he said, I will allow you to bring a hundred. He said, you pick out a hundred people which are willing to testify how their lack of faith has bettered their life, how they're not believing in God has helped them along the way. He said, you be sure and bring a hundred. Well, the night came. Reverend Hughes walked into the meeting hall with a hundred converted sinners. And the old infidel never showed. He couldn't find a hundred people that could tell you why it was good not to have no faith. It turned into a testimony meeting. One after one, broken homes had been mended. Troubled hearts and broken hearts had been put back together. They got up and testified and it turned into a testimony meeting and they said after the testimony meeting that there were several sinners that had come to watch the proceedings that came and got saved by the grace of God when they heard the difference that Jesus made. I was thinking about it this morning. I don't embarrass. I don't embarrass Bobby. But come here just a minute, Bob. I didn't tell him I was going to get him up. But he looks so good. Look here, look here at him. Look here at him. Got his 
Susan dresses. Yeah, Susan dresses. You got his. <laughs> Looks like an itinerant evangelist. <laughs> got his towel. I was noticing this morning he's growing him a scruffy beard. And I was getting pretty gray, is what I was yeah. noticing. They make some stuff for that. But anyway, <laughs> hey, quit laughing. Anyway, I was thinking about the first time you ever walked in them back doors. You had that big old beard out. I didn't know who you was. I've known you all my life. And I thought, who in the world is this woolly booker? I talked to him after the service this Bobby. He said, I've just been hearing about what all's happening up here. And he said, I thought I'd come check it out for myself. That's about what you said, like, about something like that. And he just kept coming and checking it out. I remember they got in my Sunday school class and I was teaching through the book of James. And they got to getting under conviction. And I remember the Sunday, here they come. Down the aisle. And I don't reckon I've ever had any harder workers in the church than Bobby and Susan. And they love the church and we love them. I could stand every person in here that's saved by the grace of God up and say, look at the difference Jesus made in your life. I didn't know where Bobby had been. We sat down one morning and he got to tell me about some of the things he's into. Marriage on the rocks. All kinds of things. It's different now, ain't it? It's different now. Look at him. Look at him. I'm just simply, and he ain't nothing special. But God made a difference in his life. That name of Jesus. That name of Jesus makes a difference. It makes a difference. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Amen. Love you, buddy. Now, here it is Christmas Eve. Rachel bought me this sport coat for Christmas. Made in Italy. I mean, I've never had an Italian sport coat. She bought it for me for Christmas. I was anxious to get it. I was glad I was going to get it before Sunday so I could wear it up here. I was anxious. I think I've told you before about that time that I I ordered that military watch that I wanted so bad. I wanted that big old G.I. Joe aircraft carrier, but I'm marking the 36th anniversary of me not receiving it this year. There's been things I've wanted, gifts I've got that ended up not being as good as I thought they'd be. But there's one gift I received that has never failed to disappoint. It's never disappointed me. Never disappointed me. I was riding up the road the other day and thinking about it. God just got the Stirring around in the car. If you're not here today and 
saved by the grace of God. Can I tell you, there'd be no better day than today to come and know something about this man, Jesus. Let's stand to our feet. Father, thank you, Lord, for helping us this morning to preach, great liberty to preach. I pray that you'd work in this time of invitation. Lord, in the hearts of the lost and of the saved, do that, Lord, as only you can. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Can I just, don't even, don't even play this yet. Don't even play this yet, Justice. Every head bowed and eyes closed. Can I just talk to you a minute? I'm not going to use any gimmicks. I'm not going to use any psychology. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. But if you're here this morning and you've never been saved, what I'm going to ask you to do is pretty simple, and it's the greatest thing that you have ever done. Justice is fixing to play. I don't care if you're young, old, middle-aged. If you've never been saved, would you come down here in this, meet me right here in this altar and let me show you how to be saved. And today, today can be the greatest day in your life. That's the invitation. She's going to start playing. And I wonder who's going to come. Say, preacher, I don't believe I'm saved, but I sure would like to be. I sure don't want to die and go to hell. I don't. I'd love to know the joy of salvation that you keep talking about. I'm coming this morning. It's Christmas Eve, and I'm coming to the Lord. It's fixing to be the greatest Christmas of my entire life. Would you come? I'm coming this morning, preacher, right here. Here I am. As I am, I'm coming. I just want to put my faith in Christ today. Did you come? I've never been saved. I've never have been born again. But I don't want to leave this world lost. Jesus came to save. And if he'll save others, he'll save me. Why don't you come? Why don't you come? God deals your heart. Christians are praying. Preacher, I want to come. I want to come. Maybe you're here today and you're like old Bobby. Son God reached way down to get you. He reached way down. And you'd just like to come one more time. Thank you. These ladies said, we got so much to thank him for. Might just be that you need to come gather around this altar and say, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for reaching down where I was at one day. Thank you for snatching me out of sin. Thank you for making a difference in my life, making a difference for my family.
Maybe you need to come to be saved. Never have been saved. Never have. What a tragedy. What a tragedy to go through this Christmas season never having been saved. Lord, we sure are thankful that you save old sinners. We sure are thankful that you wash sinners in your blood. We sure are thankful that all I had to do is call on you. And you came in. Birthed me into the family of God. Lord, do that now as only you can in our midst. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name.